0: Today, December 10th is celebrated across the world as International Human Rights Day. This is WBAI New York 99.5 FM and WBAI.org online. The time now is, (coughs) excuse me, the time now is 630. Stay tuned for Radio Gag, Gays Against Guns. Stay tuned.
1: Radio Gag,
2: the Gays Against Guns show. Prepare to gag, yeah, gag, yeah, yeah, oh gosh, yeah, um, good evening, everyone,
3: good evening. <laughs> and welcome to Radio Gag, this is the weekly Gays Against Gun show, uh, if you didn't know, we're now coming to, this is our new regular time, at 6.30 every Tuesday, uh, and Radio Gag is your weekly update on how to end the horror that is the American gun violence epidemic, my name is Ty Kersley,
2: and I'm Mary Ellen Novak. So today we're going to address what's what it's like to be visiting gun shows. So as some of you may know, gun shows are when groups of gun sellers and buyers get together and exchange all kinds of weapons to the public. This includes obviously guns and a phrase I learned when I visited a gun show, less lethal weapons. Hmm. So <laughs> during the summer, gag members traveled to Pennsylvania gun shows a few times to engage with people at these shows. We're going to hear three gaggers unique perspectives. One interacted as a marshal while distributing educational documents. Another who silently participated as a human being, and a third who envisioned all of the actions. So the results actually may expir- may surprise you.
3: Uh, and for those that you're listening and you have no idea who we are, uh, we're Gays Against Guns, uh, or GAG, uh, to remember. It's an inclusive direct action group. It's of LGBTQ people and, of course, their allies, and we're committed to nonviolently breaking the gun industry's chain of death And we include investors, manufacturers, the NRA, and politicians who block safer gun laws. So we were formed immediately after the Pulse Massacre in Orlando in 2016. And now we have chapters across the country. Uh, All of us are bound together by the belief that people getting shot in what should be safe places, such as schools, churches, cinemas, supermarkets, and hey, gay bars. uh, That's all insane. So we are a direct action group who we use campy songs, creative theatrics, uh, glitter and political protest to force real change. One of the things that we do uh, when we start our meetings is we have a memoriam. So we start every show with a memoriam as well. Uh, I'm going to read an obituary and then I'll explain why I picked this uh, in a second. So Clyde Weldon Pollard Jr., 74, joined his Lord on Saturday, January 29th, 1994 from his residence as a result of viral encephalitis, Clyde was a native of Norfolk, Virginia. He served as a sergeant in the US Army during World War II. He started his business career as a watchmaker. Uh, He was an apprentice and then later opened up his own jewelry store. And in 1950, he founded a pottery arch studio with his wife. They also started in 1967 uh, Pollard's Catering uh, which is also a chicken restaurant. Uh, he retired in
0: 1985.
3: <sighs> Hold on. Uh, this is one of the largest catering companies that's like offsite in Virginia. Clyde was a member of the Epworth United Methodist Church. He was in their Bible classes, enjoyed singing in the chorus. And he is survived by his wife, uh, 57 years, Betty, four children, Robert, John, Betty Ann, and Peggy. And he was blessed with eight grandchildren Robert, Steve, Michelle, Ronnie, Jake, Ty, Sherry, and Matt. So this was the obituary that my family released. However, um, he actually died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound because he was released from the hospital uh, with a brain virus. He um, no longer needed to be hospitalized but came home, and no one in the hospital ever asked If there was a gun or anything else dangerous, and my family and my grandmother were just happy to have him home and alive. And she forgot that there was a gun in the uh, bedroom dresser. So I look at this as what they say, another good guy with a gun just trying to protect his family.
4: Wow.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much, Ty.
3: Okay. Okay, so uh, we have a little bit of news. This show's really packed, uh, like I like it, but we wanted to quickly mention some important statistics that were released yesterday, actually, about gun deaths. Um, This is coming from The Trace. It's the U.S. gun death rate, uh, which hit a 20-year high last year, so in 2017. According to the CDC's Wonder Public Health Database, it accounts 39,773 people died from guns last year. Uh, Now, that works out as a gun death rate of 12 per 100,000 people. So this is higher than the rate of death from car accidents, which was once the leading cause of fatal injury in the country. The last time gun death rate reached similar heights was in 1996. And this is according to another CDC database that tracks injuries. So last year's increase was driven by a steady rise in firearm suicides. So for now... We have our um, special report, the gun loophole uh, that is gun shows that GAG is ready to fill.
2: Okay, so yes, the gun shows visits that we uh, went to were very unique actions, and we have three interviews from three different lenses. The first interview is with Kimberly Miller. Now, Kim has been a very active member of GAG since day one in June 2016, and she's been a strong advocate for better gun control and stricter gun laws for almost all her life. She's had many exceptional experiences with gun violence starting in 1979 when her uncle Marty was shot and killed in a robbery on Avenue U in Brooklyn. Another experience was when her daughter's close young friend was shot and killed in Florida. So when the request for volunteers to participate in the gag gun show's actions was announced, it really wasn't a surprise to nearly all of us when Kim promptly volunteered to help when she and I sat down for this interview, I asked her to describe the experience. This particular action, she participated and focused on domestic violence and sharing information about gun violence in the home.
4: It was an eye-opening experience, I, I guess. I just have to say, all these people with this culture of needing guns, I, don't, I, don't, I really don't get it. I just don't get it. But I think we did a good job. At at least at both the gun shows I attended. I know there have been more, but I feel like, if nothing else, it made us feel like we've done something. I mostly just kept an eye on the human beings and handed out as many flyers as I could because sometimes um, I really just get into this place where I cannot believe that I even have to do this that I'm part of this human race this country that could be wonderful where this happens over and over and over again and so I I kind of get quiet and uh, introspective and I just I, I was just mostly there to hand out the flyers and I felt like I I handed out a lot, I made eye contact with a lot of the women, Um, I saw them reading the the flyers as they walked away and I felt like maybe one of them will realize that they're in danger if they live with a man who has a gun.
2: So Kim's reaction to the day is something I think most gaggers experience, which is a really deep introspection. This next discussion is with Jim Farad. So Jim was a human being, and human beings are dressed all in white, veiled, uh, and silent when they attend actions. They represent and honor people who were shot and killed. Jim was a human being during the same gun show that Kim participated in.
5: And so I went with apprehension. I thought, everyone's going to be really hostile. You know, uh, they're going to try to kick us out. Um, They weren't. Uh, In fact, the the ones that did speak uh, that I could overhear uh, to to our spokespeople that we're talking there uh, were really trying to convince convince us that guns were a natural right of, of an American citizen to have. Uh, they really were on that level. One hostile person came out and the others that were the other gun people that were there outside told this person to stop you know mm-hmm. um, and someone called the cops and we left just as the cops <laughs> were pulling in to the driveway and upon reflection afterwards it made total sense to me that we go to the, these gun shows because I think people forget what we're doing we're holding a placard that has a picture and it has a description of who this person is that died and I always like to get... One of the pulse people mm-hmm. to hold. Uh, we had a number of women, but the, the women that were with us and others were holding. But I have one sort of forty-year-old hairdresser, sort of the old one of the older people in the Pulse massacre, and I always like to hold his thing because you know it's one thing to say you love guns. It's one thing to give me a, a, a theoretical lecture about the citizens' right to, to bear arms. It's another thing to say all that looking at a, at a placard that I raise up and, you know, uh, because they, they can see my eyes through the veil that I wear, but just to, to make it very clear why I am there with Gays Against Guns.
2: So most gaggers have participated in actions as human beings, I have quite a few times, and as Jim indicated, it can be a very emotional, yet deeply important way to connect with people. So this final interview is with fabulous Kevin Herzog, who I love. Kevin is one of the people who has been working and organizing with GAG since the very beginning.
1: So originally when we started the group, there were a lot of ideas that got sort of thrown up against the wall. and, And going to gun shows was one of the ideas. And when the idea was first hatched, it was thrown in with all of our other protest ideas, that we would go and protest gun shows, we would go and protest shooting ranges, we would go and protest places where guns were sold, such as Walmart or other big retailers. And as the other actions that we spent time with took precedent, the gun show idea sort of got put on the back burner. And then by the time that we revisited it, it was. Over a year or so after the group had started, I had sort of come to a change of heart around the concept because I had been watching a couple of documentaries that dealt specifically with the anti abortion movement, and I was persuaded by their methodology insofar as I felt like I could see how effective they were when they were sort of um, positioning themselves as an advocate for the women who were considering having abortions. And so I wondered how we could apply that to the same paradigm of a gun show visit. And the thing that I often say when we're about to go to a a gun show or when I'm sort of pitching the idea to a, a group of people who might participate is that we go... Educationally rather than confrontationally. Because I use the example of um, uh, the Westboro Baptist Church. We come into a gay bar and say, You shouldn't be gay. You know, it's not a persuasive argument. You know, it's like, Too late. Sorry, honey. (laughs) This is is what's up. (laughs) So, going to a gun show and saying, Don't buy guns, "Mm, I don't think it's really going to happen. But if somebody comes into a gay bar and says, Hey, this is how you get um, PrEP, and you can avoid HIV transmission this way. Here's information about where to get it and how it works. People would be interested in that, and it would help them live and survive and the community thrive. So I approached it that way. I thought, what information could we take to a gun show that would be persuasive? And what we do is we always print out a one-page handout that we bring with us, and we include gun violence statistics on it with regards to domestic violence, with regards to accidental shootings, with regards to suicide, with regards to gun storage methods. So we, we educate people, and we hope that that has some kind of a net positive effect. So when we have gone to the gun shows, what happens is we all pile into a church van and drive out there. And the scariest thing is arriving, because you are on enemy territory, basically, right? Like, you have all these people who have come there because they want to buy a gun, and the things they all have in common is gun um, rights and gun advocacy, and we're coming with a contrary position. So, uh, you know, we often go with our guard up, and we're... Um, ready to encounter a lot of negativity, which we do encounter some negativity, but what I didn't expect, and what was a, a kind of amazing surprise, is that we encounter a lot of people who are interested in engaging with us, and not always because they are persuadable or or, you know, interested in in learning, but oftentimes because they are interested in having the debate. And so I think that there's value in that, too. And I think that there's value in just presenting a human side to our position to say, you know, we're people just like you, and we don't feel the same way about guns, but we can have a civil conversation. And so I feel like... Absent that, they might not have that experience as readily.
2: So those were the three interviews. And there are a couple key themes that uh, Kevin addressed during that segment that are very valuable. And that are that is persuasion and education. And those elements, I believe, are very important when having those civil conversations with people who have different perspectives because they still want to engage and learn. And as far as the different forms of education, which he was mentioning, it's really those three elements. It's the written takeaways, such as the flyers that Kim was distributing. It's the memorable visual takeaways of the human beings that Jim represented. And it's also the spoken words from the conversations and chants, like, no, one more! Or, NRA, Sasha, way, girl! So... Ty, I just want to take a minute. So you and I both attended and participated in these gun show actions. Right. So Kevin's
3: and, was really long. Did you notice how long
2: <laughs> Kevin's was? Oh, it went on and on. It was just a lot of valuable information. So, yeah.
3: Um, I, think, I think one of the great things that he mentions is really, like, knowing who we are when we go there and who we're talking to. I think if, both, if, if you start out with the person being your best version of yourself, uh, the other person mm-hmm. will hopefully meet you and he also says it takes you know two people to argue if we do meet with and we have met with people who um whether we've been on the side of the road and we've been honked at or flipped off or Mm -hmm. screamed at um we don't engage in that Mm -hmm. and i've i've engaged with people who of course they want to 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 sell you know guns to people who want them and and use them recreationally and nobody wants to be the person to sell something to the wrong person Mm -hmm. Um, but I had a, an individual woman come up to me and, and she wanted to be proud and saying that, Hey, you know, I, she was in Pennsylvania as a gun vendor. And she said, there was a man without a, uh, a Pennsylvania driver's license, which is a requirement. And I didn't sell a gun to, to him. So she wanted to prove to me that she's trying. And, and I looked at her and I said, yeah, but there's 14 other vendors here. Do you think he left with a gun? Mm-hmm,
4: mm-hmm.
3: Um, and, and I get it. She's, well, that's how I end conversations with people very quickly, <laughs> but I get it. She's, she's rationalized her part and everything else is kind of separate and we're like we're trying to bring in as much information as possible like okay but the more access you have to a gun the more likely like with domestic violence we talked about recently and and so forth so that's that's how i think we can bring something to it is when both people decide to talk about it on a common sense uh, platform yeah
2: it's uh interesting when you were talking about the gun vendor is that uh, I think it was the first gun show that I went to, and my good friend Bridget McCann, who is uh, a gun uh, gagger, a gagger, not a gun gagger, <laughs> she's just a gagger. Well, anyway, we went uh, undercover, and so we went as this trying to be a couple of people, we didn't know each other, and we tried to purchase guns, and uh, it was really amazing to actually be inside there and just walking around and it was the first time hopefully the hopefully the only time that i've ever held a gun and that's what i was talking about is that we were before with the less lethal weapons we were walking around and trying to have them sell us a gun and you know there were multiple ways to talk around it but at the end of the day unfortunately nobody did so it was, uh, that was kind of valuable. And I think. But you do um, know it's a
3: different world when you're there. I mean, it's yeah. just, it's, and it is part of uh, a community and, and, and an upbringing that is different. And I've been around it. I've been in the South. I've, most of my life I was in the military and I know how to deal with, you know, um, this conversation and one of the things that happened to me was we were just going to go eat and Mm -hmm. and we went into a diner and there was 10 of us and we had like glitter on our arms (laughs) I think I was there too, yeah and (laughs) our our shirts say gaze against guns, like it's been spray painted and we literally just floated in, I'm just going to be honest we (laughs) We didn't
2: even touch the floor but there
3: wasn't enough room for 10 people to sit at once some of us used the bathroom and were like well maybe we can sit at the bar and then we just decided to eat in New York and I felt kind of bad that we'd kind of disrupted this diner where women cut their husband's (laughs) steaks and I so I bought something I bought a dessert and as I was at the register there was a raffle and a Mm -hmm. big basket with all of these little tickets and I looked at what you could win and it was 12 different types of guns and it was semi-automatic it was you know pistols it was everything and I just thought oh that's why they're so quiet because we just they think we're going to cause a scene Mm -hmm. so I wanted to be like a gun raffle (laughs) um but I decided to get the heck back in the van and drive back to New York City as fast as possible. <laughs> Throw
2: some glitter at them. <laughs>
3: yeah. um, it cheers everything.
2: <laughs> yeah. So the one thing, too, is even though people are maybe are still fuming or they're negative after those conversations, I think the most important thing is to have that opportunity for both parties to be heard. Uh, because just ignoring the problem, it doesn't accomplish anything. People remain in those homogenized spaces, and we need to have a um, discussion,
3: even even Kevin talks to the the guy that runs a lot of these shows, and he goes, I, and he stops us at the door and says, "I believe in the second amendment." But you know what? I believe in the first as well. So go right ahead and be here. So there there is that at, at the at, right out of the gate, there is that respect
2: excellent. So, <laughs> Uh, to find out more about the work that we do as ga- at GAG, please visit GaysAgainstGuns.net Gaze or gazeagainstgunsnewyork New York on NY, excuse me, on Facebook and Instagram. Also be sure to check out our website to learn more about our GAG chapters located nationwide, like in L.A., D.C. and Chicago. Um, take so, it away. <laughs>
3: um- In a very gag style, we're going to take uh, kind of a massive swing here to hear a song. Now, this was actually sung at the gun show I was referring you to. Sometimes just being in the van uh, is just as much fun. The
2: church van. Right, the
3: church (laughs) van, just because uh, either it's been, you know, we're we're getting ourselves right up to go, or, you know, it's on the way back and we feel like we've accomplished something. So the songs that we play every week are from Sing Out Louise, and there are satirical singing, political Queer tet if you will, and they uh, we go to the streets at, during our marches, and we have all these parodies. These uh, they take well-known songs, we put a political twist on them, and it goes all over. It was originally for uh, you know anti-gun violence, and now it's just gone to everything that there is to protest nowadays. So we take pop songs or patriotic songs, like this one, for instance, uh, is bat- the battle hymn, uh, and it's it's recorded live in the, the van um, in Pennsylvania.
0: Arr! <laughs> okay.
1: I've No the the you know coming really of the, bad coming bad. Of the yeah. Trump, uh, Trump with the slew of lies, the whole the moron and the, more and the chump, the country, country drank the Kool-Aid down and landed on its rump, but we are marching
5: on, glory, glory,
1: hallelujah, glory, glory, hallelujah, glory. Yes, we are marching on. He's the cherry on the sundae of the racist and the rich. So afraid to pay their taxes, they will scratch a fascist itch. They believe he's Mussolini, but he's only Putin's bitch. bitch. And we are marching on.
3: Someday learn the lesson this
1: catastrophe can teach. We will save the minds of ours and the hatred that they
3: preach. Yes, we'll dance from coast to coast. The
1: day the Chino is impeached, till then we're marching on.
0: Glory, glory,
1: hallelujah.
5: Glory, glory, hallelujah.
2: Hang <laughs> <laughs> on okay marching oh, so, oh, oh sorry so lucky so, nobody swore during that recording <laughs> yeah uh so if again you are interested in participating in our fabulous actions you can reach us at gazeagainstguns.net or gazeagainstguns ny on facebook and instagram we also meet every other thursday at 7 p.m in manhattan at the lgbt lgbt center on 13th street our next meeting is december 20th and we'll also be having a little holiday celebration, so this will be a great time to have some fun and some cheer with new and current members. So everybody is welcome. Please come and uh, to help and learn. And uh, we're looking forward to meeting you. Uh, so that's
3: that's about it, folks. Thanks for listening. Um, thanks for spending time with us because we love spending time with you. Okay. If you'd like to spend more, uh, then you can be a gag. WBAI buddy. What's
2: a BAI buddy,
3: Ty? Oh, everyone loves being my buddy. Um, <laughs> a WBAI buddy, though, is someone who is keeping this volunteer-run radio show going. Uh, small donations every month really help. Uh, it's safe, it's secure, it's easy, it's generous. Words our community knows. Uh, but it's volunteer-run, and it makes this show possible. So all you have to do is go to WBAI.org, or you can call 516 620 3602 and become a WBA buddy, buddy that way. Just say it's in the name of Radio Gag and uh good things will happen.
2: Okay, so we have uh this is our favorite time so we have a roundup as far as the hell yes. And uh so a resounding hell yeah to Kim Jim and Kevin for taking the time to be interviewed this week's show.
3: Yes. Hell, hell yeah. yeah! And then
2: Uh, so then the other one is hell yeah to dear Maria Butina, the accused Russian spy who cozied up to the NRA before the 2016 election, darling Maria, recently cut a deal with the federal prosecutors. Or you know what? Actually, I want to change this hell yeah to hell yeah to Robert Mueller. Mueller, So hell Hell yeah. yeah.
3: Hopefully there's a lot more of those coming.
2: Oh, yeah. Uh, and also
3: we had Sing Out Louise uh, did a special tribute at uh, Strawberry Fields to uh, it's the 38 years since John Lennon was shot and killed. Uh, and they did uh, a lovely tribute there. So hell yeah to Sing Out Louise. Hell, hell yeah. yeah! And so. thanks for listening. And once again, we're back next week. This is Tuesday, December 18th at 6.30 is our time. Uh, and don't forget, you can listen to previous shows. Uh, so check to see if they've been archived on the WBAI website. <laughs> And happy gag. I think that's
2: it. I can't believe it. It always goes by so fast. Uh, I know. So fast. Oh, and, I have the best time ever.
3: Oh, and, and if one day you have to ask, because next week we actually have um, Showtime mm-hmm. with, with Mark and all that stuff. We have more songs that they need to put forth, like in the van. They came up with something called Trumpany. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was just one of these things that, you know, it just keeps us going, keeps us all motivated. It was like orange hair, fake tan, Trumpany. Cool. So hopefully uh, they'll have some great information for you next week on their
2: show. Excellent. All right. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day. Have a great right. night. Have night. a great everything.
0: This is WBAI New York 99.5 FM and WBAI.org online. And I just received note uh, a breaking news headline uh, in regards to Jasmine Headley, who was the the woman who was arrested, uh, whose wait, the woman whose one-year-old son was forcibly yanked away by New York uh, Police Department officers, uh, she is being released uh, as we speak right now. So, uh, thank you, Linda Perry, for that update. We'll find, we'll have more on to report on that subject matter uh, for tomorrow's morning news segment. But I just wanted to let people know that Jasmine Headley, uh, the woman uh, whose uh, son was pulled away, courtesy of NYPD, she is being released from Rikers Island to, um, as we speak right now. So um, I'm pretty sure we'll get more details about that tomorrow on the WBAI news segment during the morning show program. Okay, and with that said, we'll have more announcements coming up here at WBAI as we continue on with this fun drive for the holiday season of 2018. So stay tuned for that.
4: Hi everyone, this is
3: Marisol Celdeira, host and producer of Con Sao Latino's Montuneando con Marisol, inviting you to financially support WBAI on Sunday, December 16th during our music marathon, Caribbean Callaloo, Sounds from the Soil, starting at 6am until 11.59pm, featuring music of the Caribbean Islands. Join me from 3 to 6 p.m. for Con Saúl Latino as we participate in celebration of the islands of Cuba, Puerto Rico, and the Dominican Republic. It all happens Sunday, December 16th here on WBAI 99.5 FM in New York, live streamed at WBAI.org. Vámonos para las Islas del Caribe!
0: Article 6, Clause 2 of the United States Constitution, also known as the Supremacy Clause, states in part that treaties made or which shall be made under the authority of the United States shall be the supreme law of the land, and the judges in every state shall be bound thereby. While this language might seem pretty straightforward, a series of legal decisions has undermined the intent and power of this clause in the U.S. Constitution. As a result, U.S. courts generally do not